But today, I just want to dive right into Deuteronomy chapter 28. So if you have your Bible or you have it on your phone, please go ahead and turn there. Now, Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the Bible. It's largely a collection of sermons um, given by Moses. In Deuteronomy is when we see him given the Ten Commandments. And throughout this book, Moses is urging the Israelites on the importance of keeping God's law. So we're going to pick up right at the beginning, Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 and 2. It says, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commands then I, that I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. So Deuteronomy chapter 28 is kind of a list of all the blessings that the Israelites will receive if they remain obedient to God. And if we jump down to verses 13 and 14, it says, If you listen to these commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today, and if you carefully obey them, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail, and you will always be on top and never at the bottom. You must not turn away from any of the commands I'm giving you today, nor follow after other gods and worship them. So if you've been here with us as we've unpacked this series, this is our third week. We started off talking about, I am strong in the Lord. And if you remember week two, we went to, I am fearless. And as we're moving into week three of this series called Ola Meamo, we're going to talk about, I am the head and not the tail. So if you're taking notes today, I am the head and not the tail. But if I'm completely honest with you in my notes, this sermon I've entitled, Don't Be a Butt. Don't be a butt. So if you want to write that down, write it down. It's up to you. But today, we're going to really unpack this, this section in Deuteronomy in kind of three practical ways that you can take away, hopefully, tonight. So if you're taking notes, number one, the first point I want you to take away from is free your mind and the rest will follow. Free your mind and the rest will follow. Now, I'd love to take credit for that first point, but when I was growing up, there was like a, a girl group called En Vogue. You probably never, unless you're... Unless you're old like me and Patty, it's great, all right? There's this song, Free Your Mind, and they're, oh, I'm not even going to try to sing it because it's terrible, but it's like, it's like, free your mind and the rest will follow, be colorblind, don't be so shy. Okay, stupid, I'm going to keep going. That's why I'm a preacher. I'm not really a good preacher. I'm much better at preaching than I am singing. Um, but for, so for this, I need a little bit of help. I have somebody that's going to come in uh, and help me. So I don't know about you, but I've been to a lot of, oh, come on, oh, watch out, watch out. Here we go. I've been to lots of zoos in my day. I'll tell you, Ella, when she was little, she was obsessed with zoos. We would go all the time. And her favorite animal was an elephant. Give it up uh, for elephants. I don't know. I don't really know. But the, you see, the, the thing that I loved, and like I said, I'll be really honest, I'm a 41-year-old dude now, and it's hard for me to get excited about going to zoos. Like, I've seen it, I've done it, it's like not my thing anymore. But you see, one of the things that we know about animals is the body is controlled by the head. The head is in control of what happens. Without the head, the body doesn't move. Now, I don't think you've ever seen an elephant that kind of goes backwards, like tail first. The head controls everything. Now, it's kind of funny. As I was putting this message together, I was in, in our bedroom on Monday. Monday's my day off. And, and Rachel and Liam were outside for a long time. And it was pretty chilly. And I was like, where are they? Like, where have they gone? And as soon as Rachel came back in, you know, 
you can always tell by the look on somebody's face, like, what's going on? And Rachel's look was clearly like, don't ask me, don't talk to me, don't do anything right now. Because they had taken our dog, Maggie, who absolutely loves Nat. Nat's over at our house a lot. Absolutely loves Nat. I mean, the rest of it, she, like, jumps all over. It's crazy. Loves Nat. But anyway, Rach and, and Liam were taking Maggie out for a walk, and totally, like, Liam was like walking her and it was really icy right after the snow and totally pulled him down the sidewalk and off the dog went like our dog crazy running through everywhere like he was basically skiing on the sidewalk on the ice and I just imagined this scene because our dog is crazy and and Rachel when she was telling us she's like I had people that were stopping and be like you need to go put a coat on and she's like no crap I realized that I would have put on a coat if I knew I was going to be out here for 17 minutes chasing our dog. But you see, animals, the head always leads them where to go. Will you give it up for our elephant friend here? It's good. That's Abby Brittigo. I give it up for Abby. Abby, thank you so much. Because you see, the head makes the decisions and the rest of the body follows through. Because today I want you to understand that whatever controls your mind will control your life. You see, what you put into your mind will control what you do. That's why in Philippians 4, 8, it says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. You see, we've talked about this before. Be careful what you're letting in your mind. You see, I, I have loved movies forever. I go to movies all the time. And I remember, I'm not going to tell you what it was, but I saw this movie back in the day. It was like 1991, 1992. I'm really old. And there was a scene in the movie where I was a growing 13, 14, 15-year-old kid. And there was a movie that I saw that had a scene in it that, let's just say, as I was growing up as a 13, 14, 15-year-old guy, there's certain things that go through your head. And then you see girls, and there's certain things that go through your head. But I'll tell you, there was a scene in this movie that stuck with me, that if I'm completely honest, every time I saw a girl, I start to replay this terrible, nasty scene in my head. You see, because what I allowed to put into my mind started to control my life. You see, I didn't start seeing girls as just friends or somebody I wanted to hang out with. I started to see them as something a little bit different, something that I'm ashamed to say that I started to view them as something different. You see, even today, there's certain things in my mind that, if I'm honest, I've grown up in a family that sometimes has the tendency to be a little bit negative. I don't know what your family's like, but sometimes it's really hard for me when I'm around negative people, I start to take on that same negative persona. You see, for a lot of us, it all comes down to choices. You see, and for a lot of us, we choose our heart over our mind. And you see, what I mean by that is we, we meet people, people of the opposite sex, and we think they're nice, and they're cute, and they're hot, and all this kind of stuff, and we start to get into relationships with them. Can I tell you what's really fun as a pastor and just even as a teacher over the years? I would see people get into relationships 
And one of the things I always say is, listen to the people around you. If your friends, and dare I say even your parents, start to have red flags about them, listen to them. It's not that we don't want what's best for you. In fact, it's the exact opposite. We want what's best for your life. And sometimes you're so involved in a relationship, you're swooped into this whole romantic idea of what it's going to look like that you miss some of the warning signs. Like sometimes I see people, I'm like, that kid smells like Long John Silvers. Like why are you dating somebody who smells like Long John Silvers? Like he doesn't even work at Long John Silvers, but he smells like it. Like he's not texting you back. Why is he not texting you back? Because he has like a prepaid like mobile thing from Cricket Wireless. Don't date anybody that has a phone from Cricket Wireless. Somebody's going to send me an email. That's you and back. Like that's me. Like there's sometimes that we can see things that you can't. You see, there was a girl in college, and I thought I could change her. I went through this phase. Somebody was just talking about it tonight. They're like, I still see where you got your ear pierced. I'm like, yeah, it was a stupid decision that I made for this girl in college. Because I thought it made me look cool. I'll never look cool. I'll never be cool. But I started to think, well, this girl I know isn't probably what's the best for me. It's not the kind of person that my mom or my parents or my grandparents would want me to date. But I think I can change her. I don't know if you've ever been in a relationship like that. Yeah, I think I can change her. But see, this verse in Matthew is what comes back to me. You see, when we start to just go by what's on our heart, and we start thinking instead of with our mind, in Matthew 15 it says, For from the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. You see, because that girl that I thought I could change, guess what started to happen? She started changing me. Things that I thought were really important were no longer important. The way I talked changed a whole lot. The choices I started to make were clearly out of line of the path that God had for me. You see, two weeks ago, we talked all about choices. That the choices you make, those seemingly insignificant choices, can take you down one path or the other, which leads us into point number two. Choose the blessing over the curse. Choose the blessing over the curse. If you're at our house, I'm not sure that there's something we fight about more than Liam's bedroom. It's the most disgusting place in the history of the world. Don't give him a fist bump for that. It's <laughs> nasty. Like, I would go in there, and last week I'm like, it is Thanksgiving. We're having all these people over our house. You better get up there and clean your room. And I wish I could say, I was like so nonchalant about it. Like, you need to go upstairs and clean your room. It wasn't quite what I did, because I walked past it, and there were like old cereal bowls from like four days ago with still milk in them. There were like seven partially still damp towels on the floor. There was hot chocolate that had been spilled on their white carpet. And I'm like, you better get your mud up there and clean this. And here's, here's a little insight into our boys. They think I'm stupid. So what they'll do is they'll be like, we're done. I'm like, really? You cleaned up your entire room in three minutes. That's amazing. We should call Guinness over. That must be a world record. But then what starts to happen is I get down on my knees 
And I look under the bed. Y'all, it's nasty under there. And then I become like the Hulk. And I start pulling out beds. I'm like, whoosh. Get down there. Clean that up. Perfect example. Hey, choose the blessing over the curse. Like, just go do it, and I'll be nice. I'll take you out for Dunkin' Donuts with Aubrey's dollar. I'll do whatever I've got to do. But listen, you don't do it. You don't listen. There's going to be a curse, and it's probably going to be me yelling and taking away Fortnite for the next six days. Holla, stinking, hallelujah. But you see, parents will often ask you to do things you don't like. I hear it all the time. I hate cleaning my room. Sorry. You see, parents will often ask you to do things that you don't like. God will often ask you to do things you don't like. In fact, God will often ask you to do things that don't even make much sense. You see, I've often shared that my favorite character in the Bible is Peter. Like, he would be my Bible bro if we were together. Like, he's the guy, like, we would have just been friends because we're so stinking alike. You see, one of my favorite passages with Peter is found in Luke chapter 5. And it says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, who was Peter, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. You see, my favorite line in that whole passage is, but if you say so. You see, when I read that passage, I often think of, what if Paul would have been too busy cleaning his nets? What if he would have been too tired from the day? What if he had said, well, just use that other boat over there? Can I tell you, he would have missed the miracle. Because that's a massive miracle. Because they had been out there fishing all day long and hadn't caught a thing. But they had gone out there... And God had done something miraculous. Can I tell you tonight, don't miss your miracle. Because there's some of us that are like Peter. We don't have the time. We're too tired. I'll wait on somebody else to do it. You see, this Sunday at church, I'll tell you, I'm not naturally an outgoing person. People see me out here and they're like, you must love people. I'm like, I don't really <laughs> I do love people, but I don't love going up to people. So on Sunday mornings when we're here, I I really try to to go up and and introduce myself or say hi to somebody and talk to people just to kind of get out of my natural comfort zone. And there was some lady that I had never met before. I'd never seen her before. And I went up and I was like, hey, I'm Michael. Nice to meet you. And she goes, I know who you are. I was like, oh, crap. And uh, she goes, I, I watched you online a few weeks ago when you spoke at Riverside. I go, oh, thank you. And uh, she goes, you're the reason that I, that I came here. She goes, this is my first Sunday here. I've never been here. And she goes, I can't keep forgetting about the message that you spoke about going deeper. And she said, I remember I grew up in, in a Christian home. I even went to Christian school. I went to church. But she goes, something about that message, God really spoke to me. And I was like, thank you so much. And this woman that I never even knew for about the next three minutes, God used her to just bless me 
in an amazing, amazing sort of way. I never knew her. I hope I see her again next Sunday. But even if I don't, I don't think that lady will know the impact that she had on my life. Have you ever had that happen when God will use people or God will use somebody that will cross your path at just the right moment when you need it? When you're almost ready to throw in the towel, when you're almost ready to walk away, when it feels like everything is crumbling around you, and at the right moment, he will either direct you to some verse in the Bible or he'll use somebody to speak life and truth over you. And that's what that lady was that day. You see, I love that passage, but if you say so. See, that's just obedience. Peter was obedient even when it didn't make sense. And even this week, God may start stirring something in your heart that seems completely crazy, out of the ordinary, uncomfortable, but I hope your response to that is, but if you say so, God, I'll step into that. I'll talk to that person. I'll share this with somebody. I'll go somewhere where even if it doesn't make any sense, because God, you've called me to do that. You see, often your obedience will start blessing others as well. You see, when you look at that passage, because of Peter's obedience, the crowd heard Jesus speak. They were ministered by what he had done. If you look at that, Jesus had a place to sit and rest. If you know anything about Jesus, every time you read the passage, it seems like he's walking from here to there. He had a place to sit down. You see, Peter and his friends took in these massive amounts of fish that would never even happen unless Peter had been obedient. But if you say so. You see, picking up in in Deuteronomy, the rest of chapter 28 outlines the curses that would come upon the Israelites if they refused to listen. If you go down to verse 15, it says, But if you refuse to listen to the Lord your God and do not obey all the commands and decrees I am giving you today, all these curses will come and overwhelm you. Your towns and your fields will be cursed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be cursed. Your children and your crops will be cursed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be cursed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be cursed. The Lord himself will send on you curses, confusion, and frustration in everything you do until at last you are completely destroyed for doing evil and abandoning me. You see, this chapter outlines everything that would happen if the Israelites didn't start obeying the commands that God had given to them. You see, as I was reading this, I kind of thought a little bit of a modern-day twist on it. Like, if you disobey God, your computer will get a virus as you're trying to finish up your paper for class. I don't know if you've ever had that happen. The worst thing ever, where you put like eight, nine, ten hours into something, and then your computer crashes and it won't start, nothing's saved. If you don't obey God, you will get, and I'm sorry to say this to Brylin, because this is his place, you'll get food poisoning from Chipotle. Sorry, Brian, that doesn't happen. I'm just making up hypothetical types of things. Calm down, dude. What if you don't obey God, maybe that new phone you get and it slips out of your hand. It's the worst thing ever. I know somebody that got a new iPhone. Two days after they had it, smashed the screen. It's like the saddest thing ever. But in all seriousness, what starts to happen is if we walk out of the will of God, if we're not obedient to what he has for us, You see, what happens is lifetime friendships start to end. 
You see, those relationships that you've made such a priority will start to deteriorate right before your eyes. You see, when you walk out of what God has for us, you start to see the consequences. You see, in this chapter, it goes on for 48 more verses about all the things that, should, that could happen to the Israelites. And I'm not going to read it all, but it goes into things like fever, blindness, boils. It even says they'll start to eat the flesh of their own kids. That's disgusting. But that's what happens. And so for some of us today, we need to remember to choose the blessing over the curse. You see, a single act of obedience can lead to a lifetime of blessing. When you obey what God has for you, even as hard as it is, God's going to bless you. But if we're completely honest, sometimes it's hard to remember that when life doesn't always turn out the way we want it to. You see, my family will tell you I am probably one of the most impatient people you will ever meet. I hate sitting in traffic. I hate waiting for food. I hate waiting for flights. It's the worst thing ever. You see, the worst thing for me is when you get to the airport many, many hours early. You have to take off your shoes. They make you take out your snacks out of your bag now, which for me is like another whole adventure because I have like 72 bags of Sour Patch Kids in there. Not anymore because I'm going to the gym, remember? <laughs> um, but the worst part is you get there very early. You go through everything that you need to. You get all your family together. And then you find out that your flight is delayed. It's the worst. I hate it. And I used to get really, really angry about it. But I started to change my perspective. Because most of the time when your flight's delayed, it's because of mechanical issues. In this season, sometimes they even have to de-ice the plane. And you see, I'd rather wait until all that is fixed before I hop on that flight. You see, I'll take delayed over canceled any day. Because delayed means that you'll eventually get there. Canceled means, eh, maybe, but there's no promises. And there's sometimes in my life that I feel like, man, God has these plans for me. God's called me into something, but it just doesn't seem to happen. And for a long time, I would sit there and say, why did that happen? Here's the direction I thought you were taking me in, but this is what it looks like is actually happening. But you see, what started to happen is I realized in a lot of times that God wasn't canceling my plans. He was just delaying them. He was just delaying them because I wasn't ready. And some of you are in a season right now where it feels like, here's where I feel God's calling me, but everything is just not falling into place. It's not working out the way that I thought it would be. What if God hasn't canceled your plans? He's just delayed it. I want you to write this down. Because in the waiting, God is working. In the season where you're sitting there, I'm waiting on God. Maybe he's just actually waiting on you. Maybe he's waiting to do something in your life 
maybe something in your heart, something in your mind, something in your relationship, something in your family. We're in the waiting. God is working. And as we wrap it up, point number three. Look forward to where you're going, not backwards from where you came. Look forward to where you're going, not backwards from where you came. I don't know about you, but every so often I'll pass by a policeman that's just kind of sitting there, and then the policeman just a few seconds later will come behind you. It's like the worst feeling in the history of the world. Like legit, your stomach like goes to your feet. It's the worst thing ever. And I remember, this was a a while ago, I saw the policeman kind of pull out behind me. And I was like, oh, was I speeding? Like, what was I doing? It didn't turn on his lights, and he just followed me for a while. But here's what I kept doing. As I was driving, I kept looking in the rearview mirror. Have you ever done that? And you're like trying to watch the road, but you're looking in the rearview mirror. Well, unbeknownst to me, here's what I started doing. I was so concerned with the rearview mirror that I started swerving and not driving very straight. Because I'd be like looking and see where is he going, and then I would kind of like go off the road. And I'm like, okay, okay, I'll get back on it. Well, then, sure enough, the lights went on, pull over to the side of the road, and the guy goes, do you know why I pulled you over? And I was like, honestly, no, I think I was going to speed limit. And he goes, well, for the last two miles, you've been swerving all over the road. He goes, have you been drinking? And I go, no. He goes, you sure? I go, no, I I haven't. And I had to get out and do one of those, like, field sobriety things. That's how much swerving I was doing. It wasn't like I kind of went off the road. Like, I was legit swerving. This was, I didn't have kids or anything like that. And I got out. I remember I had to do that walk kind of thing. And I had to touch the nose. And I was like, but then you're, like, really nervous. Like, what if I, like, my reflexes have all gone out the window? Like, now I don't even know how to touch my nose. Like, I was legit standing there. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be so nervous. I'm not going to be able to walk. Like, I don't even know what to do. I have really long legs. I can't walk this straight. But you see, I think I say all that because if you keep looking in the rearview mirror, you're going to end up in the ditch. And what I mean by that, if you keep looking at all the things that have happened in your past, you'll get so focused on them that you'll never be able to walk into what God has for you in your future. You see... A verse in Jeremiah, and I, and I love this because Caitlin, who's on Ace Teams, did devotions. Give it up for Caitlin. This morning, every morning we do uh, devotions as a staff here at Riverside, and Caitlin did it today and did an awesome, awesome job. But one of the verses she shared is, is a verse that many of us know very well, but it's one that I just have to read over and over, and little did she know that it was going to be a part of mine tonight. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 12. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. You see, my son Ben is here today. I love you, Benny. I think you're awesome. I do. There's no one like him, like legit, no one like him. You'll hear illustrations about his life for the next 15 years because he keeps us on our toes. I love you, dude. But one of the things is not too long ago, for some reason, we just collect bikes at our house. Like, I don't know where they even turn up from. Like, we have bikes that we'll go out and buy, 
But then we'll get these, like, jank bikes that'll just show up. Like, I think our kids go in the neighborhood and just steal, like, people's bikes. Just kidding, they don't. But one day, he was out riding this really nasty bike that I don't even know where it came from. It was a little too short for him. And, and I had kind of taken it the night before and put it out with the garbage. So I put out the garbage on Monday night and, like, we're putting that bike, like, get rid of it. And I walked out the next morning, and there he is sitting on the old bike. I'm like, dude, we're getting rid of that bike. Like, it's gross. Like, the tires are flat. You're way too big for it. It's too low to the ground. It's covered with cobwebs. The handlebars look like somebody had, like, chewed on them. Like, I don't know where this thing came. Like, you got hungry while you're driving around the neighborhood? I go, we don't need that. But here's what Ben did. Next thing I knew, he had pulled it over to where we have the hose for in the summer. And he was on there just squirting all the cobwebs off of it. He came back inside and he got a towel and he was like wiping it all down. He was like, Dad, can we take this bike and go get some air in the tires? I go, dude, I think it's beyond air in the tires. I don't think it's done. But yeah, we'll try it. Got in the van, took it, put in my 92 quarters or whatever it takes to do that. Got him up like a teeny tiny bit. He's like, Dad, they're inflated. We can ride it now. Good. I'm like, good. Gonna last you about 13 seconds, so enjoy. So we get back, and for the rest of the day, every time I went outside, every time I looked out the window, Ben was there just riding this bike all around our little neighborhood, up and down and up and down. You see, that bike was useless to me, but it was priceless to Ben. You see, in that moment... I thought that's such how God is with each and every one of us. You see, many of us have a life that we feel like I've wasted it, I'm a mess. Man, if I'm honest, somebody just needs to throw me to the curb. But that's not how God sees you. See, just like Ben, God wants to come alongside you. He wants to clean you up. He wants to fill you up. He wants to set you up and send you into the plans that he has for you. You see, your life may feel useless to you, but you're priceless to God. God has plans for you, and no matter how many times you feel like you failed, you screwed up, there's nothing left for me. God says, no, no, no. You're still my child. I still love you. I still have a plan for you. I still have a purpose for your life. You see, I wrote down in my notes, you can't give your past more power than your future. You can't give your past more power than the future. And I've lived that. I look at all the mistakes of my past. If if I'm completely honest with you, I was in here uh, today when we were doing the rehearsal and the run-through and the worship team, and I was, I was in here just kind of going through my notes, and, uh, and I kind of lost it, if I'm honest with you. I, I, I just started crying, because many of you know my story. I shared it um, the first week we came back, that I, I came here in this room um, as, a, as a teenager, and God completely transformed my life And I never forget about every time I'm in this room because about seven, eight rows back there on the edge, that's where I sat. 
And God did this amazing transformation in my life that every time I stand up here, I always see that chair and I remember what God has done in my life. And as I was sitting here today, I was just overwhelmed by that. I was overwhelmed by what God has done in my life. And I'll tell you, if he can use a punk 13, 14-year-old kid, he surely has plans for you. He surely wants to clean you up. He surely wants to put you on the path and walk into what God has for you. You see, one last story about Peter in Acts. It says, about that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell and the angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, quick, get up, and the chains fell off his wrists. Then the angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals, and he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. You see, it says the church prayed very earnestly for him. Can I tell you, myself and your leaders, we pray very earnestly for you every single day. I'll tell you, when I get up in the morning, I have my quiet time. Each and every one of you are one of the first things that come out of my mouth. I pray that God protects you. I pray that God blesses you. I pray that God helps you stand against the tide that comes against you on a daily basis. You see, when I look at that, where it says, quick, get up, that's my challenge for you today. Some of you need to hear that. Quick, get up. There's more for you. You think that you've walked into this life and it's never gonna be better. I'm gonna be stuck in this forever. But God says, quick, get up. I have a plan for you. I haven't forgotten about you. The plans that I had for you all those years ago, they're not canceled. They're just delayed. I'm working on you. I'm working on your life. I'm working on your attitude. I'm working on your relationships. I'm working on you just putting your faith and your trust in me. And when you do that, get ready. Get ready. Because God's going to start doing some amazing things in your life beyond any you could ever even imagine. So here's my challenge for you. And to make this just a a quick, practical way. Where you're standing right now, quick, get up. Where you're standing, put everything down, quick, get up. That's the Lord right there. The Lord is in this place right here. Because each and every one of you, I truly believe that. That God has plans and dreams and a purpose for each and every one of your life. And I'll tell you, As this guy that gets to be your pastor, I hate that word because it makes me feel really old. It's exciting for me to see what God's done in many of your lives already, but what he's going to continue to do. And for some of you who are in a season right now where it's overwhelming, I feel like I'm just waiting and waiting and waiting. Don't stop waiting on God because he's going to take you into a season beyond any you could ever imagine. So I just want to pray for you, and we're going to come together in worship. 
before we head out into small groups today, but will you pray with me? Dear God, I thank you for what you've done in my life. God, I thank you for what you wanna do in every single person's life in this room. And God, I pray that you would remind us that we're each the head and not the tail. That when you put dreams and desires and plans, nothing could stop them. And even in those seasons where it seems overwhelming, when things don't make sense, God, I pray that we each put our trust and our faith and we remember, quick, get up. Because there's more for each of us. Whether you're young, whether you were old, God, I know that you have a plan for every single person in this room. And I pray that this week you would give us opportunities to just trust in you. That you would give us opportunities to put our faith in you and wherever you take us on this crazy adventure that you have for each and every one of us. I pray blessing over each of these students, over each of these leaders. And in your name, amen.